right, here we are. We are back in the saddle. I am DJ Bruja, a.k.a. Bruce Riley from Voters Organized to Educate. And I've got two amazing people here with me today. Thank you, DJ Mike Mike. Uh, over here we've got my esteemed political director of, oper- director of political operations, Devin Davis, Dangerous Devin. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. What's up, y'all? All right. And then we have a wonderful guest today, uh, what we believe to be the most important guest uh, during this election coming up, none other than Devontae Lewis, who's running for public service commissioner. What's going on, Devontae? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thanks for sitting down with us. I get, you know, first, let's just, uh, let's just kind of set the, set the stage. We're coming into uh, the, the, final, the final go of the primary election. We've got early voting underway, and we're trying to educate people about several uh, races on the ballot. And then there's one that's, that's running this, uh, this district from, from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, uh, Public Service Commission. And as we know, it really talks about regulating the, the, the utilities. And so, Devante, just give us a little bit of an intro about yourself and like why you jumped into this race and why you're running for this. Absolutely. So I'm a lifelong Louisianian, been here since day one, grew up in Lake Charles, um, went, to, went to college there. Um, I really kind of got politically active in college. I was the student body president at McNeese State University. Um, it was during the time when Bobby Jindal was our governor and was trying to merge UNO and SUNO, raise college tuition, cut uh, the budget. And so that just kind of like sparked this real anger in me that like has guided me. Mm. Um, and so then I left for a little bit, became an elementary school teacher. Uh, but uh, very, very <laughs> You're different. still alive somehow. Somehow I'm alive. The, the funniest thing about being an elementary school teacher is I taught two doors down from my mother. Oh, so we were, in, that was the first time we'd ever been in the same school together. Now you run um, in there and be like, Ma, you gotta help me. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think right now our relationship is very different because my mom doesn't realize I'm not our co-worker, so she'll call me and she'll say, did you see that damn email we just got? I'm like, actually, no, I haven't. Ma, I worked there years. I've been working there years now, my mom's done. Um, but uh, after teaching, I kind of came back into public affairs and public policy, and so I've been at the Louisiana Budget Project now. Um, where I'm our director of public affairs, really kind of on the front line of fighting for a living wage, criminal justice reform, um, health care access for all. Um, and so d- during COVID, I think this was a very important time for us to like realize how much policy actually mattered. Because mm-hmm. um, everyone's talking about how do we recover from, from COVID and how do we return to normal. And I've always been saying that normal was never good enough. We had a housing crisis yeah. before COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, people had uh, income instability before COVID. Um, <laughs> we had a horrible uh, economic system before COVID. And so it is not about returning to fall. I mean, 2020 is about getting better. Yeah. Um, and then so you tackle that on with COVID and, of course, Hurricane Ida, mm-hmm. um, ravaged our community up, up and down uh, the Mississippi River. Um, and then you enter in the, the late spring and our energy bills started mm-hmm. to triple. Uh, And I'm just looking at it saying that is anybody taking all of the connections of policy? Um, And so I looked at the Public Service Commission, was very disappointed in in our commissioner um, and said, you know what, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what's up. Uh, Devin, I want to bring you in, right? So we started digging into this race a a while back. And why don't you tell, you know, give, give, give some of our listeners a sense of, what it was that you know voters organized went looking for 
as a, as a group and what, what we found when we were trying to like think through how we wanted to approach this race? So yeah, um, we went in looking at Mr. Bogier's finances, looking at his expenses, what he's been, what he's been putting money towards, who's, who he's been taking money from over the last 11 years. And one of the most glaring findings that we found was amongst his contributions being so heavily funded by the very industries that he was put into office to actually regulate. Mm -hmm. um, you see countless numbers of representatives from Energy, Cleco, Amos, Cox, AT&T that have been funding this man's career mm -hmm. since the start. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, definitely the question that we began to question was, do you deserve to be in a position of power if you're actively staying there off the backs of the people who you're supposed to be regulating? Yeah. And that was, that was crazy. I remember when you, when you, you know, dove into the deep, deep dive, right? Started amassing, uh, you know, all these different reports. And just so people know, you know, we pulled 11 years of reports just because that was the easy ones. He's actually goes back 17 years. So, you know, but I was like, well, you know, 11 out of 17 years, the most recent ones, probably a pretty good sample size. A snapshot. Yeah. And what was the percentage of, as you put it, regular people? 1%. A whole whopping um, 1%. Yeah. Over the last 11 years of his campaigning, uh, he's received less than 20 contributions from normal people. From normal people. That includes like his mom, right? Yeah. Like... I, I mean, I hope it's I hope mom, I saw yeah. his mom on there. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know, maybe, I don't, maybe you got a donation from somebody. But anyway, so, I mean, Devante, I know this has come up in some forums, right? Like, you know, getting the money from the, from the people you regulate. And I know that you and, and another of the challengers, Pastor Manning, have, have made pledges that we're not going to take this money. I mean, so what is, you know, what is this incumbent, the 17-year incumbent? What has he been telling people publicly about why he takes this money or what he feels about it. He's been making the, the, the case that it's legal. And I mean, I think it's, it's very interesting that we're now talking about the 99% versus the 1% in a very different way. Mm. Uh, normally, when you're, oh, yeah, you're talking about uh, the one, the 99%, you're talking about the people. But yeah. his 99% is the industry. <laughs> yeah. Because they make up the vast majority of almost all of his campaign donations. Uh, and his whole case has been, well, it's legal. Um, and if somebody wants to change the law, I will comply. But right now, I'm doing everything legal. And like, I, like my good grandmother taught me a lesson when I was very young. And she told me always, Devante, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do yeah. something. Um, and so this case that it's legal uh, means it's all right. It just doesn't fly with me. Uh, because it's like we don't let... Uh, people on the gaming commission get donations from casinos. We yep. don't let people on the horse race tracking commission get mm -hmm. donations uh, from from individuals who are horse racing. Mm -hmm. um, hell, we don't even let uh, Louisiana legislators get campaign donations while they're actively in session. Yeah. And so we have put all these restrictions, all, but for some odd reason, we're letting... Um, Energy and AT&T and Cox donate 24-7. And, and, and this whole thing is like, oh, well, that means I don't... That doesn't mean I'm not holding people accountable. Like, like I say, when I hold people accountable, I'm at the front lines, you, you know that, at the Capitol, holding white supremacists and fascists accountable. I don't see them donating to my campaign because yeah. they know I'm not a friend. Right. Um, so it's very hard for me to believe uh, that you have, you're big on accountability because it's like, I'm not going to write you a $5,000 check if you're ringing me through the ranks. Yeah. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, uh, he gets, so he gets them all. Yeah, it's, it's morally wrong. It's ethically wrong. It's not in the best interest of Louisiana. And it, and it probably proves why 
Uh, the commissioner has voted for every fee mm -hmm. that Entergy has ever asked for, while he has continually to vote for their profit margins, while when it came time to ensuring um, that we lowered the rates for incarcerated phone calls, he disappeared. Yeah, he told, I, was in, I was in the room, and if I was moderating the panel that we had here, when, and I was just, you know, I was laying in, in the cut, I was listening and, and whatnot, and that question about the, the rates came up, and he totally revised history, right? And he did not realize, I'm sure he did not realize that there was anybody, and Norris was in the room too, that was at that hearing that Foster Campbell pushed to put caps on, and this guy went ghost. Disappeared. Which, as we all know, is a very uh, political maneuver for not being on the record uh, for or against something. And so he, he disappeared. But then he sat here and said how he lowered the rates. The FCC made some moves. Right that the state had to comply with, right? But like the, the PSC made no moves. No moves, and I mean, I think when you look through those uh, campaign contributions, you'll probably understand why. Hmm. Uh, because he's been getting uh, the, that kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, uh, kickback from telecommunication companies for, for disappearing. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's the, the real fight of this race right now, is who at the end of the day is gonna be about building power for our people, rather than continuing to give power to the corporate shareholders in these companies who have no care. I mean, we, we heard Energy New Orleans just say yesterday mm. that we're going to start disconnections again. Yeah. And these 20,000, there's up to 20,000 people in the city of New Orleans who, right after Halloween, may see their power turned off. Mm -hmm. And you're taking a check from them, but you, you want me to believe you're going to hold their executive accountable? Right. It's wild. Yeah, we, we haven't seen him taking any, uh, any big stands around that shutoff stuff. But, you know, so, I mean, going back to the legality of taking the money, uh, you know, I think the people who know me know I like to, to dig through the law at times. And to me, I see there's two different parts of the law that, are, that apply here, one could argue, right? So there's the part of the law about gifts. And, you know, the ethics board is over this part, and it's saying that if you regulate an entity... You can't take anything of value. Deeper, deeper, deeper in that same section, it's like you know a different uh, part of the law. It says you know that oh this doesn't apply to campaign contributions. Not that specific part, but just generally this part doesn't apply to cam campaign contributions because there's a lot of different things in there. But then you go deeper, you know, and the whole other part of the law around campaign contributions, and you don't see that same thing about gifts. Now. Some people in the law uh, understand the principle that the specific overrides the general, right? So there's a specific prohibition of taking gifts from the people you regulate, anything of value. But you can get all these contributions, and then he'll sit there and call it legal. To me, and I actually had a, an, uh, our staff attorney uh, look up if there's been any litigation around this particular part of the law. She couldn't find anything. So arguably, no one's actually like hammered this out in court about whether, particularly in this situation, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine the legislature wanted a structure where 20 Entergy executives could give $5,000 each on the day before a shutoff vote, which adds up to what? Like 100 grand that you could give to each one of the commissioners like that. And it's totally legal. That's, to me, that's one of those things that makes people go, what the huh? Right, and so it's the type of thing that there will be a bill in the legislature next go around. Oh, that we've already drafted. Has to be. I mean, I think there should be some. I mean, there, there, there's multiple things. So first, even 
regardless of whether it's legal or not, he can just not do it himself. Mm. As I have chosen to do, as other candidates have chosen to do, because we believe that we need that independence. So, so this whole notion that he needs a law is ridiculous mm -hmm. because personal responsibility, can you can do it yourself. Secondly, if we look at the Constitution of Louisiana, the PSC themselves could put a prohibition on themselves while they are sitting in office. Mm -hmm. They don't have control over election and campaign finance, mm -hmm. but the same way the legislature passed a law that says we won't take donations while we're in session, they could do the exact same thing. He has chosen in these last 17 years not to offer mm -hmm. that. I mean, and thirdly, I think we just need to put some more transparency if we're going to allow it. I think his commercial should not say paid for by Lindbergh Bossier. It should say paid for by the executives of Intergy yep. because yeah. that's the truth. It is true. And so if we're gonna if we're gonna let them buy the system, I think every time there's a mailer or a push card mm -hmm. or something that the, the transparency should say paid by the entity that I'm regulating. Yeah. Well you know, and so you know, he right now he's running around saying there's, you know, dark money talking about, you know, what's going on in, in, in southern Louisiana around our, our utilities and such. Uh, I don't I don't think anybody in southern Louisiana really, you know, needs to to be like alerted to what's going on, the reality. Um, but Devin, you know, you, you're part of this dark money, so to speak, right? Like you work for a 501c4 nonprofit. Uh, and why don't you, I mean, because while we're here and we're talking, you know, I kind of raised the point. Tell us a little bit about sort of like who Voters Organized is and why, do, why, why are we saying, you know, vote for Devante right now? Who is best centered? to A, build political power for our community, mm -hmm. and B, who's gonna actually represent us once they get into office? Who's not gonna be the ones to make a campaign promise and then say something else the second that they get into office? Mm -hmm. I think Devontae is one of those people that says what he says on day one, is gonna keep on saying what he says on day 99, day 300. Yeah, you know, and one thing, I, you know, when people are asking, and obviously, you know, we throw no shade on, on Pastor Greg Manning, you know, I mean, people know him in the community, respect the work that he does as well. And this, sometimes these are the, some of the, the questions we need to you know, tangle with internally, right? Are we gonna back two people? Are we gonna back one person, et cetera? Um, I can say from my point of view, you know, one of the things that I admire about you is like, you know, Devante is a guy who's gonna like roll up his sleeves. He's gonna dive into the sort of the nuts and bolts, the ins and outs of reams of paperwork, if that's what it takes. Maybe it's the math teacher in you, but you know, the work that you're doing with the budget project, right? Like the, the very nature of it is around these like dense documents, right? And that is what is really gonna take to you know get underneath the talking points mm -hmm. of but this will make your bill go up higher. Mm -hmm. right. right? Like are you just gonna settle for that? Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> I, I tell the people, I embrace this. I'm a policy nerd. I'm a, I am a I am a nerd when it comes to policy. I will um, read it. I tell people this all the time. I'm such a nerd that when I got punished in high school, uh, my punishment was not my cell phone being taken or not going out with my friends. My mother would forbid me from watching the news in C-SPAN. Oh my God. Um, I'll never forget. She, she did not let me watch the 2008 South Carolina primary results between Hillary and Barack. I am scarred for life for that. I will, I will never forgive that moment for her. But that, that just shows you how much I like get into this. Um, and for me, why I think this, is, this job requires someone to do that is because if energy comes and says, hey, we need another $50 fee, if you're not understanding poverty in our state, if we're not paying attention to the cost of living um, and, and, and the index changes in, in rent prices, 
or some of the other agency department changes, that $50 looks small, mm -hmm. especially when you're getting a $5,000 check from, from, a, from an executive. Mm -hmm. But we know, and I know from research and data, that $50 can make or break a family. That is the difference between a child getting food or the lights staying on. And that's mm -hmm. a very tough choice for a parent to have to make. Mm -hmm. And we need leaders who are making sure they understand the issue so when they when we hear these talking points or we hear we can't afford it, to know that no energy, you've made more uh, in the last two years than you have ever made in the history of your company's uh, yeah, history. Mega billion dollar you, operation. You, you have it. When we talk about the tax break that you're getting from, the, from Louisiana, you can afford to do this. It's whether you're choosing to. And I mean, I think part of the problem um, that we've had in this state for too long is too many of our elected officials have let people say, um, we don't have the resources. And I've always said, Louisiana does not suffer from resources. Mm -hmm. We could be a very wealthy state if we chose to be. Mm -hmm. The challenge has been we don't have the willpower. We don't have elected officials who are willing to tell business and industry that you cannot come before the needs of our people. Um, and that is why getting into the, the weeds and policy matters so much, because then you can combat them. Yeah. Like I can look and say, no, 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 look at all these runners you have. You're telling me that you need a Hurricane Ida fee for maintenance, but you already have a maintenance fee. Why wasn't the tower yeah. ma maintained And they didn't before? maintain. Right, so to that point, I'm glad you brought that one up. Um, and you both were there. I was there at our forum. I don't know how many other places he's talked about it, but you know, when, when our moderator asked uh, who is to blame, for the transmission tower going down, which, you know, for the people outside of, of New Orleans, you know, like the power goes out and whatnot. But even people that lived here were like, how did this big giant metal tower go down in the wind, right? They're designed to like wind passes through it. It's not like a, a sail. And like, how did it just go down and, and, and took out all the power for, you know, for miles and miles? And, and his uh, answer, correct me if I'm wrong, was, well, it was, it was working until it didn't. It's nobody's yeah. fault. And is it like, so is that, I mean, you guys own vehicles, right? I mean, right. maintenance, what you want to keep it on the road, right? The, the tires, the oil, the, you got something that's like sounding keep it running, yeah. So we're collecting these maintenance fees over here. Yeah. And then we're not actually maintaining anything. And no nope. one is, and the job of the regulator or the commissioner is to ask those questions. Yeah. And I think this has been the problem with the commission in its, in its entirety, but also our current commissioner is that it's this belief that we are retroactive, mm, yes. that we will only do things when it comes to, to the to limelight. Bills have been way too high before then. Mm -hmm. Why did it take when literally people's bills were going from what was $100 to $500 for us to finally say like, maybe we shouldn't take people off their utilities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that's life saving. I mean, it's, it's a human right in my eyes. Yeah. Utilities are a human right. And, and and, and then what we did is we turned around and, and gave Energy a pat on the back because they decided to give $150 that went out and ran out in the first 24 hours. Only like 4,000 people received it. And they did it through the United Way. So guess what? Energy could get a tax write-off. Oh, yeah. It's now counted as a charitable donation. Yeah. Because it, it serves multiple. And that's what I said. That, that's partly what sparked me is when um, when Hurricane Ida hit and, and my name, I was out of power for for five days and my neighbors and I were talking and we saw Commissioner Green because mm -hmm. he has, the, I live kind of on the border um, of the PSC district. So half of my neighbors are uh, Commissioner Green's district, the other half of us are in Lambert's district. 
nowhere to be found. I, I did a quick Google search mm. before I ran just to see if I could find a news clipping, an article, a statement, a press release, nothing. Well, Not we might be able to look word. at his expenses and see where he was having dinner during right. that time. Yeah. I mean, if we want to get really nerdy about it, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a pinpoint when, where were you when Hurricane Ida hit? Yeah. Uh, it's very clear that you weren't on the front line yep. fighting for our communities, especially yeah. when we know uh, District 3 was hit the hardest. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, our place is in, in, in St. Charles and St. James and in mm -hmm. Ascension Parish uh, were, were completely devastated. And yeah. Where was that? And so, yeah, so, you know, of course, everybody wants to talk about the power company. And Entergy is the big villain. And, and you know, anywhere in America, right, the power company is always the villain. Uh, we all saw Aaron Brockovich or whatever, you know. And, right. But, uh, you know, but here we are in arguably the canary of the coal mine of the entire country, right? Like our state is sinking into the water. Mm -hmm. Our state has all these issues and, and such. Um, and I guess this is for either of you, because Devin, I know this is like, you know, really near and dear to your heart. Like, but like Louisiana, like, what is it going to take to keep us afloat, right? With, you know, the, oh, well, Green New Deal, that's like some liberal pl plot or whatever, right? Like, you know, are we going to, are we just going to say like God wants Louisiana to, you know, disappear in, into the water? Like, what, what is it that we can do and what's the problem here? I mean, as you know, I believe we need a radical tra transformative approach to our radical energy grid. transformative to, approach. To how we handle coastal restoration, um, to how we handle, I mean, our day-to-day -day lives. The e e economy as a whole is going to have to transform in order for us to actually face, address the crisis of climate change. Late-stage capitalism is not going to address that crisis. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I would love to hear what yeah, Devontae I mean, has to say about this. This is the, the serious problem for Louisiana, is that we're not only dealing with our coast disappearing, we're talking about the health of our people. I mean, I think it's such a wildly acceptable thing that we have a place called Cancer Alley and we say it like it's nothing. Yeah. Like that's not, uh, and, and, and we refer to it, I mean, because it is Cancer Alley, but just the thought that in the most industrialized nation in the world. Yep. We just let a group of people live in an alley that, mm -hmm. that we say is cancer. Like as if everyone and, has one, right? right? Like Skid Row, oh, the, right. the shady part of town, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, oh, you all have your own cancer alley, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. I mean, it, this is the problem. We, we've let natural gas and petrochemical corporations have a lock on us for, for way too long. I mean, I think, um, even when we talk about our investments, like mm -hmm. I, I told people this, in 1982, uh, revenue from oil and gas in terms of taxation made up 42% of our operating budget. Mm -hmm. Today it makes up 3.3%. Oh, wow. wow. But they're still here. And then we're told it's the biggest, best mm -hmm. industry that's creating jobs, but they are providing the least. <laughs> it, we, sales tax is now contributing more to our state budget <laughs> than, than these oil and gas companies that are killing our environment, mm -hmm. making our people sicker, and not now paying their fair share into our society to ensure that we have everything that we need. Mm -hmm. And so this is why I strongly believe that we have to move to 100% renewables by at least the year 2035, uh, because we are already 20 years behind where Louisiana should be, and we have to catch up. And like I mentioned, these storms are getting stronger. I mean, I think one of the things I tell people about Hurricane Ida is if you remember Hurricane Ida 
really made landfall here in South Louisiana, but it was still wrecking havoc all the way in Shreveport and Dallas. Yeah. And back in the day, a storm would come once it hit land, it would dissolve within, within hours. It made, it made its way up the entire state, mm -hmm. all the way up into Arkansas, still causing significant damage to people, which means we don't have time to waste because that means our power grid needs to be more resilient mm -hmm. uh, because we're going to see these. And, and when Andrew G says, hey, a Hurricane 1 will now be a week without power, that, that's, that's going to be devastating to our people, yeah. especially when we know the vast majority of people live in poverty and do not have disposable income, which means they can't just pick up and evacuate. Yeah. Um, and, and so investing in renewable energy will not only make our bills cheaper, will not only uh, protect our environment, but it will make our people healthier. Um, and it will, it will do so much. And so I, I think we just have to have uh, someone in office who is ready to tackle this. And I'll be honest, this is not gonna happen overnight. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live here. This is going to be a very long and hard process. Mm -hmm. But what we need is people to keep beating that drumbeat because as we've seen in any other policy, the moment uh, you keep a spotlight on it, you start chipping away at it. But yep. if you say, oh, well, I can't do anything about it, nothing yeah. happens. I was pretty excited this year in the legislature. You know, as you know, we're up there all the time and, and you know, you're not necessarily tuned into everything that's happening until you're there and you're like, oh, and you're listening to a bill being heard. Um, you know, there's like 800 bills, right? And one of the ones that, that you know, piqued my interest was the idea that we would create these, um, these like hubs. You know, I think, I think it was statewide, right? But I was thinking in terms of in New Orleans and it was uh, Rep Freeman's bill. And, you know, the idea that you'd have like this energy hub, maybe be solared up and then have your battery. And then during something like Ida, I mean, we were using our building to the best of our ability without power. Um, but we were, had generators and we were like handing out gas and generators and food. But for instance, if there's a, you know, this is where government comes in, right? Like if there's a, some sort of incentive where vote can build out a building that can be a, a neighborhood resource, you know, come the rough times, I mean, that's the point of government, right? I mean, like coming together, organizing the people, right? And, and that's why it's important for someone to be in office, I think, in the Public Service Commission who recognizes that. Because, I mean, I think some would argue, and the commission would argue, like some of that doesn't fall under the PSG's jurisdiction, which is true. Mm -hmm. We don't have that power to make budgets. We don't have that power mm -hmm. to appropriate funds. But we have a microphone and we have a presence. Mm -hmm. uh, and so understanding where we have resources, this is one of the things that I, I fought for last year in the legislators. I was trying to get uh, us to use $50 million of the American Rescue Dollars to create a weatherization uh, fund, which would then allow the state to issue out checks to individuals who needed to insulate their, their, their roof, insulate their floors or their windows to keep the cool air or the hot air in so that energy bill goes down because we know part of the reason why energy bills are so high in this state is because our, our homes are older. Our homes are, are not well insulated. Um, and so, but, but that requires like understanding where everything is. Mm -hmm. And we can make those investments. We have money. We're gonna have a surplus once again um, yeah. in Louisiana. Uh, and instead of giving it to movie theaters and loggers, maybe we should actually invest in our people, but it requires someone saying that. Yeah. Uh, and, and we should have a public service commissioner who is saying like, I need these investments. I need you to bring back the solar panel tax credit. Um, I need you uh, to make these investments in weatherization and appropriate some of these funds that you're pulling down from the Infrastructure Act or the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. 
and put them aside so we can make ourselves more energy efficient. Um, yeah. Because that's where the money lives, but to just to sit there and say, well, I'm a commissioner, I can't do anything about it, it's just not true. Right. We, we got to get involved in all of the levers of government because we know if we're not working hand in hand, then we're not really doing anything for our people. Yeah, and if you're the regulator on these utilities, you know, obviously we need somebody who is responsive to the public, who, you know, to a certain degree should be the smartest person in the room. Right. Or at least know all the, the who to bring together. Right? right. And this comes this goes with our, you know, Cox and T-Mobile and AT&T and the, these other utilities as well. And to for for people to I mean, in this part of the world to not even know who their public service commissioner is or that there is a public service commission kind of shows you that something that is so vital, you know, is being left to news stations and weather people <laughs> like hollering, you know, and, you know, and twittering about it and stuff about this problem, that problem. Meanwhile, you have a regulator who's, you know, who's just asleep at the wheel or missing in action, right. you know. Transparency can't just be about we have an open meeting. Mm. Like so many are like, oh, well, you can come to our meetings anytime and you can watch them online. It's like that's not, to me, transparency. Transparency is... Even if you don't come to the meeting, you A, know a meeting happened and, mm-hmm. and, and what's going on. And so and it, we have to build accountability, not only for, for the public, say, oh, well, you should hold me accountable. I should be holding myself accountable, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I think that's where we, we, we got to switch where the public has to go to the commission and the commissioner should go to the public. Yeah, like, well, he would, you know, so, I mean, one thing I heard from the, from the incumbent was uh, he wanted the challengers to be held accountable. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was his response to his accountability was, I want to hold these guys accountable. Yeah. Like, really? Well, <laughs> well, I've, been, I've been in politics a long time here in this state. I, until this race, I've never been in the same room as him. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 and that just shows kind of the level of just disconnection. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not seen him at community events, not seen him even, even at the high top political fundraisers that, yeah. that happen every once in a while. Um, and it's like, at what point do you then take it as your responsibility to say like, you should know that energy is bringing up a new fee vote. Mm-hmm. You should, I should have to take that vote and say, oh, well, I didn't hear from anybody, so yeah. I thought it was okay. No, I should be like, hey, energy is approached, they want, they want a new vote. Yeah. Make it clear. Uh, we asked about the voting record, right? Like, I, I don't know where, I, I don't know. Yeah, you can just call up. Yeah, call up and find it. Yeah, and so he's never done a public records request. He doesn't know how challenging that can well, be. Yeah, <laughs> as I said, and I've promised, and what I will do and what I've done at any board or commission I've ever set on is I track my own votes mm-hmm. on a spreadsheet. This is why I voted for it. This is who I talked to about it. This is what, these are the notes. And so it's like, you don't need, a lot of times we keep, Pushing the blame on, well, others haven't done it, the system hasn't done mm-hmm. it. It's like, I can build a system that I will. So if mm-hmm. I want a system of transparency and accountability, regardless if the commission staff itself is tracking my votes, I can track my votes. And every after every month, after every meeting, yeah. hey, constituents, here's what was on the docket. Here's how I voted. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was just thinking about his 17 years in. I mean, so he went into the PSC when I was getting out of prison. And I had a bag of stuff over, over my shoulder. And there was this, uh, this major catast- catastrophe happening on the news around the world called Hurricane Katrina. And I was basically pillar to post. I was trying to get my life together with minimum wage jobs, working manual labor, and I wanted to go to college and whatnot. But now here I am with a law degree and like friends and workers and, and we're very transparent in what we do and we're trying to move things. So I don't only say that just in the sense of like, 
wow, how, how far th- like you can grow and change and build new things in that time. But it sounds like in 17 years, he might even have the same paperweight in his office that he had you know, when he first moved in. He, I mean, is this his first website he ever had? I think he like a day ago or something. He put up a website. Popped up, but I mean, this is the, the, the challenge with this race. It's like we we have to, if we want a better Louisiana, we gotta have better elected officials. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I've always said this um, to my friends who are elected: like your apathy breeds apathy in the community. Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to show people, even if you're on the losing side. Of it. I get it. I, I'm gonna be very blunt. If I, if I win. Um, I'm going to be one of two Democrats on a five-person panel. Mm-hmm. So I already know the odds are very much stacked against me. be the only black member. So I know the issues that I care about, it's going to be a fight to even probably get a, a second vote, let alone the third vote to make it a majority. But what I often tell people is that doesn't mean I don't fight. Mm-hmm. Because that fight uh, and people seeing in that fight in the other four districts may inspire them Mm-hmm. To like hold their member accountable, and yeah. then now we've gone from one member fighting for something to two members fighting for something, and then eventually three. And so it's this it's this sense of you have to always put your principles before your privilege, mm-hmm. right? I, I'd rather I'd rather go home and eat a, a, a bologna sandwich than because I stood up what was for what was right then not do what is right so I can go to Ruth's Steakhouse right after it and mm-hmm. have a fancy dinner with some people and then kind of feel weird about that's it. That's called like, having integrity, my man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's what we need. Just being able to say like, look, I, sorry. That's why I'm, t- that's why I'm not accepting yeah. any, any, any campaign yeah. donations from these entities. And I won't. Because yeah. like, I don't want you to think you owe me anything. Well, the interesting thing is, you know, I mean, anyone can look up how much money y'all are raising and whatnot. And we hear this each time, you know, there's a race. Uh, so-and-so raised that much, that much. We've seen people raise a fraction of the other candidate and win. Right. I mean, honestly, I mean, Devin, what do you think? What are, at this juncture, if you had to literally say, what are, what are the odds of anybody winning right now? And does it have any basis on how much money they've raised? I mean, if when you go and just take into account that Lambert hasn't actually campaigned before, <laughs> as you just said, this is his very first website. He hasn't had any. He doesn't have any actual social media accounts yeah. until he launched this new website. So I mean, he hasn't tried at all to actually engage with his constituents. Essentially, going in as this dark horse who's been in office for the last 17 years, but actually mm-hmm. hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. And as far as anybody cares, I don't know if you've been our PSC. Yeah. I don't know if you, like, you know, like... Yeah, he's part of the problem. <laughs> aside from me being so deep in politics, who would actually know anything about yeah. Lambert Bozier? Nothing. Well, that's why he's we're here. He's done nothing to make anybody, <laughs> like, yeah. pay attention to him. So, I mean, going into this race, you look at Manning, you look at Devante, who both at least in my opinion, have built more of a coalition around them than mm-hmm. Lambert could have ever had over the last 17 years. Yeah. yeah, and it's, you know, it's interesting too, like you don't see, and this is not necessarily even shade on other organizations or, or you know, endorsers, whatever, you don't see them putting out the sort of like ground game, the community interaction as, you know, orgs like ours and, you know, there's a few others that are really like, you know, probably getting votes, you know, uh, for, you know, for the challenger, I guess, you know, shout out to the underfunded challengers that, that, that never thought they had a chance, but you know, we have, we have someone sitting here right now, Devante Lewis, who's showing that like, 
you know, learn the issue, connect with the people, talk about it, lift it up, and you're going to find supporters and you're going to find voters and you know, you're going to find a few dollars here and there to get some signs and get your name out there. So it, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a losing game and, you know, don't worry about the money. I mean, just do the right thing and, you know, and, and campaign your ass off. Absolutely. That's, that's what I said at, at, at your forum. I was like, look, if, if having integrity and not taking their money means I lose this one, I'll go to sleep happy mm-hmm. because I still fought and I did what is right. And we've been out there and like we built uh, such a robust coalition that is just um, impressive against the 17 year incumbent. I remember I, I, the, the Democratic Party of Louisiana initially only endorsed me mm-hmm. over a 17 year incumbent and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and he had to beg and, and call in all the favors in the mm-hmm. world to try to undo it. And so I guess now we share it, but uh, yeah. the initial vote was, was for me. But, but winning so many different groups of endorsements like yours, the Independent Women's Organization, the Forum for Equality, Young Democrats of Louisiana, uh, the Jefferson Parish Democratic Executive Committee, the New Orleans Coalition, the Alliance for Good Government, Step Up for Action. These are groups that sometimes are not on the same page yeah, ever. Yeah, Con- <laughs> confess, like not all those are are our you know and, close comrades. Yeah, right, yeah. and so it showcases how much th- our community is craving uh, change. Is that, that that this coalition has mm-hmm. unlikely allies all saying the exact same thing yeah. that it is time for a new generation, bold solutions, and to rebuild our future um, after these past 17 years. Yeah, that is what's up. Well, you know, I wanted to, to you know, give a, a little bit of time, uh, and, and Devin, I hope you can enlighten us. And, and Devante, maybe head has been down in your own race. Let's share a little bit about some of the other races that we've got uh, coming up here, particularly in the Orleans, Baton Rouge area. Uh, what else are we? What else are we looking at? Well, we have the United States Senate race. Oh. That's yeah, a pretty big one. It's a fun um, one. Going against Kennedy. Um, we have made the choice to endorse Gary Chambers and Sarita Stive in that race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you want to kind of talk more. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know both those candidates obviously are expressing you know commitment to social justice and the people. Um, you know, Gary obviously has been you kind of like making a name for himself talking really strongly about history and racial justice and, and uh, you know, really respect that because there's some of these issues people are just afraid to talk about. And if that means that you maybe can't win a statewide or national kind of race because of it, like, it still needs to be talked about. So, you know, we respect that. Sarita, obviously, being a formerly incarcerated woman, uh, you know, we, we respect people that want to throw their hat in the ring and, and put, you know, to some degree, their reputation kind of in the crosshairs. Uh, and so that that should be admired as well, you know. And a lot of our folks know both Gary and Sarita, and so there was there was a lot of a lot of energy around both of them. The forum that we had, I thought, was really uh, was was really awesome, you know. And and Luke Mixon, you know that I, you know Democrats they kind of did that like try thing, which obviously is just kind of just seems sketch in some way. Um, and you know he seems like a nice enough guy but he just didn't really seem to reflect the issues that we care about and and was that wasn't very knowledgeable about a lot of the issues that that are our most important ones so that was kind of like a an easy one in a sense to go with those two yeah i mean yeah another dual endorsement that we did was in the la city district five race oh yeah back both royce Plessis and mandy landry two people who have done exceptional work with us throughout our time as an organization and who we believe would both, whoever you choose, be excellent 
reps in uh, the LA City. So and people through. can go back and, and listen to some amazing From Change to Change episodes with uh, scroll on down and click. There's one with Royce Duplessis. There's one with Mandy Landry. And I, I think we did both of them not knowing that either of them were going to run for this race at the time, but they both were like last spring. Um, or maybe one of them had, maybe Mandy had declared. But either way, you know, as, as Devin uh, mentioned, you know, we've worked with both of them on our issues. And, and you know, the reality is we're going to end up working with both of them either way this coming session because one is going to be in the House and one's going to be in the Senate. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, either of them in the Senate and how that might change the chamber a little bit, have somebody a little bit, you know, kind of lifting up our stuff a little bit more stronger than, than other folks have. Yeah, and kind of speeding through um, for the Orleans Parish Municipal and Traffic Court Division D&E. We've endorsed Derek Russ, who is, of course, one of our members and has done a lot of work with us throughout That's the past. That's exciting. As well as Bobby Smith, mm-hmm. uh, who has also done a lot of com- work in the community. Uh, in the first city clerical court race, we decided to back Donna Glapion over Austin Baton. Um, as many of our listeners may know, we have a history with Austin. Uh, and as far as our forum goes, he didn't really shine too bright. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think his sort of public appearances is really his, his, uh, it hinders him. His, yeah. It's not his fine point, but you know, I think a lot of people still think of him as the guy that was with, you know, governor Bobby Jindal and, and yeah. doing some things that were not so great for the regular folks. Yeah. So that, I mean, that'll carry over even if you were to get a job with uh, river parish disposal, you know, so no matter what, they're still going to see him as, as the, uh, you know, and he's the only person I think that has a, a, a sign against him, yeah. like a, a yard sign, the, the bat on women bat on one, women. which yeah. is just like, okay, like someone's really committed, but there's lots of those signs out. And then the last race, which I'm sure you're going to want to say a little <laughs> bit about, um, is the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals at large seat where we decided to, um, to endorse Karen Herman in that race. And Bruce, maybe you could tell us some more about why we made that choice. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be re- reasonably brief with this one. You know, I think people should, if they're really interested, watch the, uh, the interview with Marie Williams that we did, who's running for that seat. Um, but on Karen Herman, you know, we have, obviously we have folks that have been through the criminal district court, um, you know, have, have gotten sentenced to, to life. Some those people have had their convictions overturned because they're wrongful, right? And and some are gotten parole. There's lots of uh, experience in our walls uh, around that criminal district court, and Judge Karen Herman is is no uh, no stranger to that experience either. So there's gonna there are some people that you know had a bad experience with her, and I, I think as a testament to our um, you know commitment to just kind of having the best system we can get is she's, she's the only one in that race who really does have the experience to handle uh, an appellate court. And, you know, they don't currently have any criminal district court uh, judges on the appellate. You know, they're all like, coming from a civil corporate kind of mindset. So when it comes to the issues that we deal with, you know, whether it be, you know, around evidence or police or prosecutorial, you know, she's going to, you know, or effective assistance of counsel. She's going to be able to review those things. She's not always going to be, you know, maybe ruling it the way we want, but, you know, we're hopeful that her voice in that room, when they're saying that whether something is reversible or not, is going to, you know, have that experience. And she's going to more than likely, um, and I don't want to put her integrity in check because that's not what I mean, but more than likely she's probably going to do the right thing in a given case. Um, Marie Williams, 
you know, a perennial candidate. She, uh, she, she attacked us with, uh, with, a, with, with a whole lot when she, she felt that she was not invited to a forum that we did. And, um, and that became a subject of some news articles. Uh, and, you know, we said, you know, respectfully, you, you, you need to retract that statement because you were invited. And we had all the receipts for all the different ways we invite her because we have to invite all candidates, right? Republican, Democrat, black, white, you know, incumbent, non. Uh, we have to, like, leave it open to all the candidates who want to participate. And we want all the candidates. Like, how bad of a forum would it have been, Devante, if it was just you and Pastor Manning? Well, we did that once, and it wasn't... Yeah, right? It sounded, it sounded like a fire rehearsal. Yeah, so that's <laughs> like, you know, of course, like, if we could have gotten uh, Senator Kennedy at our forum, that would have been awesome. It would have been exciting and interesting, and we really could have, like, dive, dove into some issues and such. So we want that contrast. So when she wouldn't retract it, we actually filed a complaint with the Judicial Ethics Commission because we just didn't know what else to do. We had to kind of cover our backs as a nonprofit organization, and we didn't want to, you know, have any troubles with, with violating the, the, you know, the, the rules that we're bound to. And so then she responded to that, oddly enough, by filing a stalking charge uh, against me. And she didn't call the police. She didn't go to criminal district court. Uh, she went to the civil court as if we were in some kind of relationship. And she asked for a restraining order, which they gave her this, like, in, without me there, filed this thing. And so then, you know, we hired an attorney, uh, attorney William Most, and it turned into this whole year-long saga that was just outrageous and outlandish. And, you know, we had other things to do. And literally managed to get an arrest warrant out for me uh, based on William Most calling and saying, do you want to just drop these charges? And then she went and told the police that I sent my friend to intimidate her, which is very much not, not the reality. Um, so dragging me through all that, you know, look, clearly, like, I'm over it, and I want her to live her best life. But you can't then, you know, not that much longer later, come at us and ask for our endorsement to become an appellate court judge when your, your sort of appreciation for the law is maybe not you know, up, up to par. You know, you know, like people, even when the police came to arrest me, they were confused that I didn't really know her. Like we weren't in a relationship or had kids or anything or neighbors. And they were like, wait, what? And then they realized like, oh, this is some kind of political stuff. And that was the only reason why I didn't get taken away. And so, um, you know, and so, you know, again, we're not trying to, you know, to, to, you know, harm somebody's life. But as, as someone, you know, pointed out to me early on of why I needed to like, take that charge seriously at the time was, you know, my career, my freedom, my, my kid, you know, all that is in jeopardy. And it's just crazy how like thin ice, you know, people can put us on. And so for an officer of the court to go through and use the court in that way uh, is really troubling. And so, you know, and she keeps running for judge, she's going to keep running um, and she should keep running, you know, and, but people shouldn't be voting for her. You know, Karen Herman. Yeah, Karen Herman. Um, <laughs> and while we didn't make endorsements in our Baton Rouge elections, mm -hmm. they also have a state Senate race that will be taking place, as well as nine school board seats that will be on the ballot. Um, we also did not endorse in our school board race for Orleans Parish, but leave it up to the, the voters of New Orleans East to make mm -hmm. that decision. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And, you know, and... and I guess I'll just add too on 
on the amendments, um, you know, a lot of people have been asking us about the slavery amendment uh, for obvious reasons, you know, and, and we wrote something up that we put out there on our social media to try to help people think it through. And, you know, the, the amendment would change that you couldn't do slavery. Um, you know, right now it says, you know, slavery is like totally cool as long as you're convicted of a crime. Uh, and it would be changed from that to it's totally cool if, you know, or it's not cool, rather. Um, but unless, it, you know, it shouldn't get in the way of the lawful administration of criminal justice. And so a lot of people read that to believe there's no change. And, you know, we would not have supported, and we did not support at the time that that was going on the ballot. We were not testifying to, to put this on the ballot. Um, and that amendment that got put on it really watered it down to the point where it wasn't doing anything. But we really, really want people to be thinking about, regardless of that amendment, thinking about there's no worker protections on the inside. OSHA does not apply to people who are incarcerated and working. There's no minimum wage. Uh, the wages are so measly that you can't even get like a soup per hour for the work that you're doing. Um, and then the, the labor is forced. Now, people want to work in there. You want something to do. You don't need to make it forced. Just make these jobs like reasonable and people will do them to have something to do. So we want people to, you know, do what they're going to do. But, you know, personally, I voted for it because I feel like it's important to show the, the state, to show the people that we do want change. It may not be the change we wanted, um, but I don't want the right wing to think, ha, they love slavery as it is, you know, if everyone votes no. And, you know, there's going to be some people making all kinds of comments about it. Uh, but in the end, you know, I, a lot of folks are sort of opposing that amendment, but they're not necessarily opposing the principle of getting rid of slavery. Um, and just to go and add that um, we do a bunch of interviews and forums. We have a bunch of information about all the candidates that we backed. You can find all of that on our website at votersorganized.org. Mm-hmm. And what about our, where do we find our socials? Uh, yeah, you can follow us on uh, Instagram. The Gram. And Facebook at the Voters book. Organized. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Justice underscore Votes. Elon's Twitter or? Elon's Twitter as of today. Elon's Twitter. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, Maybe you know, I'll regulate that when I get on the PSC. It is a public we'll utility. To, we'll have to put uh, Twitter and Elon Musk to, to task in front of the Louisiana <laughs> Public Service Commission. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I th- I'm really excited. Definitely people get out and vote. You know, uh, I, I, you know, realistically, we, we believe that this public service commission race is probably going to come down to a runoff. Uh, and so, you know, so people who are not yet registered can still get registered mm-hmm. uh, in time for that runoff. If people have a record and, and they've got questions or concerns uh, about whether or not they're eligible, you know, by all means, you can contact us at, at vote. You can you can call us email us come to the office whatever we're all about helping people out um and we want people to to participate tell your mom and them and and get out and vote and you know thank you Devante, for coming through thank y'all for having me thank you Devin, for giving us all the knowledge that's Always. fit to print and thank you dj mike mike for for doing the ones and twos and i'm dj Guha. we out we need each other wake up now.